It's Monday here in the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We talk about the Steelers' continued search at offensive coordinator, coaches that aren't available anymore, coaches that are still being interviewed, as well as taking your calls and my opinion on what happened in the playoffs. All that here more on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things in the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find the show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making us your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL. Use code all lowercase NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. We will get to the playoff games in a bit because I have a lot of thoughts on what happened in the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship. But let's talk about the Steelers' updates here with the offensive coordinator search. Lots of things to go over that happened. Uh, two things, major things that happened. One... Um, Zach Robinson is now out of the picture. He is going to be the Falcons offensive coordinator. He's been higher away to them. So you could take him out of the mix for the Steelers job there. And Arthur Smith, the Falcons just recently fired head coach has been interviewed by the Steelers. And that's official. That's not in a report, but what's coming down the line. That's an announced thing. It's happened. So a few things, let's break a few things down here for one Robinson being out kind of now looks like he was never coming to the Steelers because he was probably going to be following Raheem Morris to whatever job he got. Raheem Morris was the was the Rams defensive coordinator, had worked with Robinson for years, and I bet that Raheem Morris wherever he was going, he's like, "Hey, I'm taking that guy with me." And there might have there was probably an agreement well before uh Robinson probably right well before Morris got hired to the Falcons that that was probably going to happen. But Robinson probably wanted to make his rounds, see who he could impress, what teams could he meet with, you know, learn from the interview experience and go from there because someday he'll probably get other chances. And this was also an opportunity for the Steelers to take advantage and say, hey, what kind of guy is Robinson? What kind of stuff can we learn from him? You know, maybe we can learn, we can, you know, see about his person and maybe he'll be a person that we want to talk to down the line. All that's part of the process, but it does look like Robinson's plan was to maybe probably always follow Raheem Morris wherever he got picked up as a head coach, and uh, that that's what happened there. So um, with with that, the Steelers are still looking at other other people. Arthur Smith, uh, of course, from the Falcons, had a rough time with the Falcons. Three straight, three straight years as their head coach. Three straight years of them being seven and ten with with little to no signs of progress. Um, and frankly, as a guy who's supposed to be an offensive mind, his offense wasn't good. They ranked 26th twice in his three years there. One year they ranked 15th and looked like maybe they were making progress, and then in that all that progress went away. Um, you could anyone that you talk to about the the, the Falcons the last year or two, um, you know, they say that they misused their talent because they got guys like Drake London and Kyle Pitts and uh, Bijan Robinson and all these talented guys, and they didn't know how to use them on offense. They looked inconsistent. They looked like they didn't have any idea what they were doing, and. That's certainly all bad looks for Arthur Smith. But as we've said before, head coaches like Cliff Kingsbury, maybe it's a little tougher on them when they're being the head coach than just being an offensive coordinator. Because when you're a head coach, you're more of the CEO than the play caller. You're, you're you know, some head coaches do call plays, but 
it's the rare guys who can call plays and be the CEO that manages the entire team. Uh, and those guys are hard to find. Some guys are just offensive coordinators and, and really good ones. And maybe that could be Arthur Smith. I'm not saying he is the guy. I'm not saying the Steelers should hire him, but maybe that's it, who he is. Because in his two years that he's been an NFL offensive coordinator, he made the Tennessee Titans with Ryan Tannehill, a top 10 offense both times. And, that deserves credit for that. That one year they were even a top five scoring offense. I mean, that's 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 credible. That's okay. He, he did some things there. Um, but this kind of dives into a question that I think Steelers, the Steelers front office, and you know, have to answer for themselves, and Steelers fans should probably think about over the next couple of weeks. Um, and it's about what kind of offensive coordinator do this should this do the, should the Steelers get or should they want? Because there's two different types that I'm seeing here that the Steelers could decipher between. And that's either the quarterback whisperer or the system guy that makes everything simpler for the quarterback and, and is built around the quarterback being a game manager in, in solid, in solid moments. Uh, you know, for an example of what those two different situations look like uh, Zach Robinson, who's no longer available and Cliff Kingsbury. I think those guys would be considered quarterback whisperers for their histories of working with quarterbacks, what their jobs were and, and how they, how they move forward. Um, you know, that those are guys that do something along those lines who specialize in making a good quarterback great and trying to help them, you know, maximize the, their talents there in, in their, in their specialties. But an opposite of that are the guys who are building systems around game managers, I think that's more so guys like Thomas Brown, who with, who's with the Panthers this past year, didn't have a good year. Um, uh, but he's a guy who he was a running backs coach, just like uh, Arthur Smith before he was an offensive coordinator for the Titans. He was a tight ends coach. He was never, uh, you know, a, a quarterback's guy, a quarterback's guy in the NFL. He was more of a guy that's like, hey, I'm going to come up with a system that's going to, you know, specialize getting the ball to the right guys at the right time. And in Tennessee, that's what he did. Ryan Tannehill wasn't a superstar for the Titans in those years, but they had an offense that allowed Ryan Tannehill to use the balanced attack and base itself off of having Derrick Henry behind him, who was just dominating football, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways. And that offense worked. And if you want a guy that can build around that, that makes sense. You know, Brown, again, Brown was an art running backs coach. Smith was a tight end coach. Um, and and I, I think that there's some merit to the idea of both sides there. Do you want the quarterback whisperer who maybe can develop Kenny Pickett into something else? Or do you want a guy who's going to build the rest of the offense and make things a lot easier for Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph or whoever else is going to be that? And let's also be clear. There's probably still a bunch of other candidates that are still coming in to talk. Clint Kubiak might be in at some point he's the you know he, he's the quarterback coach for the past excuse me the past game specialist for the Niners that's a weird title he's got but you know whatever um you know Clint Kubiak's probably going to be in he'd be another guy I think that would be in the the the, the quarterback whisperer depart, department and he's probably a top candidate like he's probably going to get an OC job in this rotation and the Steelers are probably waiting to get their chance to interview him we'll see what that what happens there but right now the Steelers strength on offense if they have a strength on offense isn't in being a slinging passing team. It's in the way the roster is built right now to be physical up front and then base a play action offense, passing offense off of that. And you look at the strength of the team, you look at the offensive line, what that where, where they went. Uh, you know, once Broderick Jones became a starter, again, that was like what, like week nine. And from week nine, I think it was when he first became a starter on for the rest of the year, they were the second best rushing team in the NFL. That's tough to just, you know, wave off and be like, bah. 
They shouldn't build off of that in the future. When you have Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, Broderick Jones, uh, Isaac Sayomalu, uh, James Daniels, all positive assets who will be back on the team next year and can be a big factor. And I shouldn't I shouldn't exclude Pat Fryer with Darnell Washington, Connor Hayward in there because their blocking was also crucial for that too. Um, so you know, being you know developing around a running team, maybe you want an offensive coordinator who can do that and make things easier for Kenny Pickett and make him more of like a game manager and say, hey, we're just we're not coaching you to be the superstar and to be the the, the face of the team, even though quarterbacks are all faces of the team. But you get my point. Not being the ultimate playmaker that makes the offense work, we need you to just get the ball in the right place, the right time, so that those guys can go in the game for you. Which is what I've been saying the Steelers should have been trying to do anyways. That's kind of what this offense was designed to be like. So. If that's the direction they want to go, maybe they lean to more of a Smith or, or, or a Brown. Or maybe you go get a guy. There's still another guy out there that could do that. Maybe Clint Kubiak is good at doing that. Heck, he's coming from an offense that's kind of doing that for Brock Purdy. And not to say Brock Purdy isn't doing a great job. He's made, he's making some heck of amazing plays out there. But you cannot doubt that that Niner system is very helpful to make to those plays because he has a, a good, smooth system of get the ball in these playmakers' hands and let them do the work. And I think that the Niners are a system that a lot of people are going to try to replicate soon. And if the Steelers can get a guy from that system, maybe they can bring that on over to them and see if they can bring some of that magic in. And then again, if Kenny Pickett doesn't work with that offense, you move on from him after after that. Um, so I think that that's something that needs to be uh, that needs that needs to be considered there if you're the Steelers. Um, and I think it's going to be a question of do you want to bet on, an, on on getting an OC that does that, that makes the system smoother than just a guy who's a quarterback whisperer or known for being a quarterback whisperer or doesn't have as much experience calling the plays? Because uh, Clint Kubiak, again, was an offensive coordinator for, for a year. That's the question the Steelers have to answer. Do they want the quarterback whisperer um, or do they want the experienced OC who knows how systems work and wants to build a system for uh, the for a quarterback that's not even it's not about the quarterback, but is about the talent that the Steelers have in their offense that so far has proven itself to be strong in the NFL. That's a question we'll keep an eye on. It all I think it'll be very interesting to see who else the Steelers bring in for interviews for that OC process. Um, you know, as as time moves on, but. We'll get more into that after this first break here because we're bringing back the hotline. I, I, I posted this on Twitter and in the Locked On Steelers Facebook group, but we are bringing back the call-in line. If you got questions that you want to ask, call into our number. You'll get on the show uh, with questions. we got two questions I'll answer in the next segment before I talk about the, what happened in the playoffs this weekend. All that here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Stick with us. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We'll be right back with that. But first, I want to remind you this show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting ways to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. You're not battling against thousands of other players or pros or sharks or trying to assemble the perfect lineup. You're trying to say, hey, I think I got two to six players that I feel pretty good about how they're going to play this weekend. And I'm just gonna, and I'm going to look at their stat projections given to you by Prize Picks and just say, hey, they'll get more or less than, the, than that number. It's that easy, and PrizePix is the fun new daily fantasy game that everyone's starting to play. They also have special leagues where you can combine stats and, and predictions between players in different sports. Like, for example, in the Super Bowl, if you think Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for more than more than two, two touchdowns combined with maybe, say, Steph Curry hitting more than eight three-pointers three, eight, three in a game, you could look at that and say, all right, well, they're going to combine for 10-plus between those in a single game. That's what the special league offers you, and it only is available at something like prize picks prize picks also also offers a reboot policy where if a player in an nfl game gets injured in the first half and doesn't re- return in the second that player is rebooted 
that and that makes prize picks the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance download prize picks as an app today on your phone or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports you can go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nfl and when you get there use code locked on nfl for your first positive match up to 100 go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nfl use code locked on nfl for your first deposit match up to 100 Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We continue our discussion here on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we're going to stick a little bit longer with the OC search uh, talk here because we had a question about the OC search. Um, and like I said, you can always call into the show and uh, give it a show. We, we, during the season, we you know we stop the calls because we got way too much to cover. But during the offseason, we like to hear y'all opinion, y'all, y'all thoughts on the show uh, and, you know, and, and get or get y'all questions on the show. And, and we like to have that contribute to what we're doing here. So with our first call that we that we, that we talked to here, we got Will from Altoona who asked a question about the OC search that I thought was pertinent. Take a listen to Will. Hi, Chris. It's Will from Altoona. Um, thanks for getting the hotline back. Um, my question is I've been listening to a lot of your recent content about the candidates for OC, um, but what I haven't heard specifically is what you think the timeline needs to be on this because obviously the draft is in April, so we don't have or May, so we don't have much time, but um, could you cover that in uh, somewhere online here? Thank you. Thank you, Willie, for your question. Remember, you can call 412-223-6644. Leave, a, leave your, a message with your name, where you're from, and keep your question under a minute, and we'll get you on the show. Might not be right away when you call, uh, but uh, we will do our best to try to get you on the show. Uh, also, keep it under a minute. My man, uh, Nate Glass, we love you, man, but your three-minute messages ain't going to get on the show. It's way too long to cut up. Got to keep it under a minute. We'll get you on. But anyways, let's talk about uh, let's let's talk about Will's question here, and it's a good question about the timeline. You know, I, I think the Steelers right now they're getting in, all, they're casting what everyone's called a wide net. They're exploring all their options. I think they want to be very thorough in their search. So sometimes that involves bringing in multiple guys for interviews. Some guys that have to work on on, on other schedules. Like for example, Clint Kubiak is a guy right now who is probably is is not probably he is a hot commodity, and everyone's going to want to talk to him, and everyone's going to want to see um, you know a person a person like that. Um, that's uh you know that that's all well that's all well and good and i think that the thing is is that when he's an, an a hot you know oc candidate and his team is you know is is preparing for an nfc championship game which we'll get into in the next segment um you know sometimes the schedule might be tougher i'm not an expert on how you know oc you know searches go as far as like you know how candidates get scheduled in their interviews for teams and such um but I think the Steelers they'll get it done within within uh you know a reasonable amount of time and I have to think that the deadline might be like before uh before the combine in early March. So like I still give the Steelers maybe another couple weeks here before we start to see the the process finalized. From what I understand they have a few more people that they want to that they want to interview. It might even be before 2 weeks. I, I think maybe next week is potentially an option. Um but I think it's just about they want to make sure they cover all their bases. They want to get they want to use this experience to try to build relationships with whatever coaches that are out there. It's also very possible that some of the coaches that they're talking to aren't going to be their offensive coordinator, but that they're talking to 
multiple coaches who they think could also be a quarterback's coach or a position coach in another part of the offense. But all that has to be seen to see what's going to happen with the Steelers moving forward. Um, uh, and I, But to answer your question, Will, I think that the, 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 the bare minimum deadline is before early March when the combine happens. I'm sure when that's going on, they want to have their process finished out so that they can go to the combine, focus on who they want, and have the better idea of like, okay, who should we be studying to base our to prepare this offense to operate in the way that this offensive coordinator is set to go? So, you know, with March about a month away, um, I would say uh, that the Steelers probably get this done in maybe the next two, three weeks. And that's that that's kind of that. So um, that answers that question. Let's move on to another question. This is more of a bigger question. This was the first call we got from our call in line. It's uh, Ryan from Toronto. And remember, we had Steelers fans everywhere here. Uh, in the in the Steelers fandom, uh, but in Toronto, Canada, Ryan wanted to ask about the Steelers getting back to being real contenders. Here's Ryan's question that I think is pertinent to the overall offseason process right now. Hey, it's uh, Ryan here from uh, Toronto, uh, Toronto, Canada. I'm just uh, curious. Like I look at our squad, and we're we're better than most teams in most positions. Like we got a great receiving core, great tight end, our O line really put it together trouble at quarterback and corners but other than that like we match up really well against these other teams and like after watching the games i just like i just don't know what we can do from here on out like i don't know how to get better i don't know what we can do to improve on like it seems like we have a super bowl team here but we just can't get past the hump Thank you, Ryan, for your question. Appreciate everyone who calls in. Again, 412-223-6644 to get on the Locked On Steelers call-in line to get your question on the show. Um, keep your, give us your name, where you're from, and keep your question under a minute. But um, to get to Ryan's question here, one, you said something I thought was very interesting, the Steelers having a Super Bowl roster. I don't think they have a Super Bowl roster right now. I, I said this before the season. I said there were, a lot of, there were a lot of people who were starting to feel like, man, this could be the year, this could be the year. And I'm like, guys, I think this is a still a setup year. I think that this was a year they could make the playoffs and show like, hey, they're taking some steps in the right direction. But there will be have to be a lot of things that that, that progressed very quickly for the Steelers to be actual St- Super Bowl contenders uh, this season. And I think that the same is going to be for next season, uh, but maybe with a little bit higher expectations if they can get a, just a little bit better of quarterback play with a better offensive coordinator. Um, I still don't think the Steelers are going to be Super Bowl contenders next per, you know, per se next year. And again, we got to see what happens in this offseason. Who knows what additions they could be making? You know, they could make some serious additions on defense. They could make additions in the quarterback room. Who knows? Again, they, they, there's a lot of time to go there. But as it sits right now, you know, I kind of look at it and I think like they're not. They're not there yet. Now, what could the Steelers do to improve that? Well, they can improve the things that are supposed to be their strengths. And for one, they can improve this offense, the, the, the run game on offense. And that involves improving the offensive line. Najee, you have an offense that has playmakers on it. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, Pat Fryermuth, uh, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens. All of those guys are dangerous. And I also say, you know, you got guys that can still grow and develop more like Calvin Austin, Darnell Washington, Connor Hayward, you know, guys that can become bigger weapons for you, uh, you know, you know, to develop around and especially in the run game with a developing offensive line that got better throughout the year. Those are all assets that you can that you can build around, but you need a better quarterback to work with them. And you also need an offensive line that's dominant. And I think that's a key thing there is their strengths have to be 
full strength. Make your strengths stronger if you're the Steelers. Get a center who can consistently dominate the line of scrimmage and doesn't mess up snaps half the time. Get a left tackle or a right tackle to wherever you want to put Roderick Jones. Get him the opposite of that and get another guy who could dominate out there. And then all of a sudden, you'll have probably one of the best offensive lines in football. And with Najee Harris and Jalen Warner as your one-two punch, that makes everything so much easier on everybody else. And that, I think, is one thing that you can do right away on defense. You know, their defensive line, it wasn't dominant this year. They were good at times, but not dominant. And the Steelers were the way this team was built, at least roster wise and money wise, that defensive line is supposed to be dominant. Cam Hayward got hurt at the beginning of this year. You got to hope that he comes back, isn't hurt next year, and can be, you know, be more of a disruptor like he was the previous two years before this year when he got 10 sacks in both in both those seasons. Um, but also Larry Ogunjobi, who is a $13.2 million cap hit next year and needs to be a lot better than he was this year to be worth the $13.2 million. So there's a few things they could do. They can strengthen the defensive line. They can get a quarterback situation that works for them and keeps the, 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 the offense you know, moving more, they can get uh, a better, better center, better offense, better better offensive tackle to pair with Broderick Jones. Um, and on defense, I also think they need another corner across from Joey Porter Jr. And that's a major draft need I think they ha- they have right now. I also think it's a major need that they could get in free agency. You saw LeJarius Sneed and what he did for the Chiefs and punching out the ball and Lee Flowers at the goal line. He's been making plays, not just in plays like that, but actual like really good coverage plays all year long. My man Nick Farabaugh from SteelersNow.com, who we had on the show last week, was one of the first people that was like, Chris, that could be the guy in free agency. And when I say one of the first people, he told me this like in, in September when we were when we were at Steelers games and we were like in the press box and he was like, I think this is the guy. I'm like, Nick, I'm trying to see what happens in the next three months for the Steelers. But he was on it. So credit to Nick for, for saying that. He was the first person I heard say, Legereus Sneed to the Steelers. Well, I don't know if it'll happen, but he gets that credit if, if, it, if it does. But getting players like that to pair better with Joey Porter Jr., maybe better safeties to pair with Minka Fitzpatrick. There's absolutely things this Steelers team can, can do roster-wise to get better there. But I think it starts, and what needs to be prioritized is getting better with your strengths. The things that are supposed to, to win for you need to be the things that dominate for you. And if you get those things, like I said, center, center and offensive tackle, and the run game becomes dominant, a lot of other things become easier. And that's the key the Steelers need to address this year, this this offseason right now, is making sure those strengths are stronger. And of course, shoring up some of the weaknesses as well. That's a question from Ryan from Toronto. Thanks again for Ryan for calling in. Thanks also for Will for calling in. Remember, it's 412-223-6644. Call that number, leave your name, where you're from, and keep your question under a minute. We'll try to get you on the show answering your questions here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. But it was a wild and wacky. A uh, conference championship weekend. We'll talk about all the angles of that, including Lamar Jackson losing again, as well as what happened with the Lions meltdown and how I think it's interesting what's happening with the coaching conversation there. All that here and more on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Stick with us. We still got a lot to talk about. But first, I want to remind you, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Sometimes we all need an opportunity to get something off our chest. Whether it's big or small, certain things can really start to get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your, on your in your life. So today, I want to say how I really feel about something. You might even be thinking about the same thing this week. Personally, I know it's coming. I know that we're going to be bored 
because it's going to be up to a week without football, and we're about to start about Mount Rushmore lists. And it's nothing drives me crazier in the media world than always having to do Mount Rushmore lists. I it's it's fun in like June or July, but you know when when it's just baseball and in Pittsburgh, baseball is a rough time for us, and that's why I get it when it's then. But doggone it, it is January. We don't need Mount Rushmore lists. Don't do it, or I'm gonna need to talk to my therapist some more. But the best place to find those therapists are on BetterHelp Therapy online. So go on BetterHelp right now because they'll help you. They'll help you know the better ways to deal with your problems. Therapy can be different for everyone, and most of us have bigger problems than just whether it's what's going on with your favorite sports team. Get your things off your chest with a good therapist by giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com/lockedon to get ten percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on back here in the locked on Steelers podcast I'm your host Chris Carter we continue our discussion here uh, on things we're gonna step away from the Steelers we're gonna t- talk about some national things for a little bit here and just talk about what happened in the playoffs here so I got thoughts on both these games because they were both pretty crazy. Uh, first, let's uh, dive into that AFC championship. Man, that was wild. Patrick Mahomes, he's still the man. Still finds ways to win, um, even when you just take away all his weapons. I mean, Travis Kelsey's still there, and I told y'all that Travis Kelsey was not washed. He was teams were doubling him, and they you know they needed to figure out a way to counter that, and they did. And Travis Kelsey's still doing his thing. But you know who also did their thing? The Chiefs defense, because they took it to the Ravens, especially in the second half, and Baltimore never had a counter for it. So I I give the Chiefs defense a ton of credit, but we cannot ignore what happened with Lamar Jackson. And this is a person who I I think that Lamar Jackson is a very good to great quarterback. I think he could do great things. Y'all, if you listen to me talk about him, I I have the world of respect for him. Uh, And you can say the game plan wasn't the best for Baltimore and Zay Flowers fumbling at the goal line certainly hurt him. But Lamar Jackson still had plenty of chances in this game to put the team on his back and be the factor that won this game. And he didn't. And especially that interception in the end, when he threw it into triple coverage when he just didn't need to do that. That was a botched situation. And now it just continues to buy into the narrative that maybe he's just not the clutch guy, maybe this is that. He can't, he can't he's not going to get it done in the big games. All that's going to continue to persist for yet another year. Now, you could say I, I, I could say the Ravens could assemble a better set of weapons around him. Sure. And they started to do that this year. Granted, still wasn't enough. The best play they got him was Zay Flowers, and he fumbled in the game and also had a stupid taunting penalty that that cost them. Uh, so you could say, hey, they should just go get more weapons, and Lamar Jackson will be even more dangerous because it won't be just about him lifting up the entire offense. And I hear you, but here's the problem with that. That's going to mean sacrifices elsewhere on, on the Ravens roster. And right now, already for the free agency, they're set to lose their, their all-pro defensive tackle, Matabuike. And they're also set to lose Patrick Queen, who's been a key element at the linebacker position next to Roquan Smith. This was a Baltimore roster that was always already very balanced. So that balance is just very hard to achieve. So I don't think it's going to be a given that they just replace those guys. Everything's hunky dory on the defensive side. And, you know, if, and if, especially if they go and get more offensive playmakers and let's face it, the Ravens defense was why they were in that game. The Ravens defense was also a big reason why they were winning several of their games this year, even when Lamar was going off. So there's big questions. The Ravens face Ravens face building into the off season. I'm sure there's a lot of Steelers fans who are rejoicing in their pain and their misery. Um, 
But uh, I think also there's some Steelers fans that are looking over at KC and like, doggone it, they might just win another one. And they might. And if they do, they're a dynasty. And that's another thing that we're going to have to talk about moving forward. But let's switch to the NFC real quick because, boy, was that a meltdown for the Lions. 17 points in the second half in a playoff game. That's a rough one, and it's brutal. And shout-out to my friends, uh, Jamie and Alexa, Carr, they, friends of mine from Long. They've all been Lions, diehard Lions fans. I was pulling for them. I was like, oh, man, I can't. I hope they do, don't have to go through this. And then they so did, and I was just like, oh, I feel free, y'all. That was so painful. But let's dive into the talking point that everyone's definitely discussing on Monday about the Lions, because I think there's some, some interesting things here. Now, everyone's pointing to Dan Campbell. Either you're defending him or you're attacking him right now because he went for on fourth down twice. The, the, the Lions failed to get it on those two times, and both those times he passed up on field goal situations where if he they could have hit them. He also ran the ball on a third down uh, in under two minutes that forced the Lions to take a timeout when they didn't get it, uh, and that led to them not being able to get the ball back after they stopped the Niners after the onside kick. Um, and it was a three-point loss, and you had you not only had that, but you also had two field goals in a three-point loss that you just left out there. So I get the, some people are going to point right to Campbell's decisions as being reckless and arrogant and just ridiculous and being too, using too much analytics to, to do in the game. And I hear that. Maybe it was. Um, but I, you also have to acknowledge that's who the Lions have been, right? That's what got them there in the first place. And I totally respect that. Like, that's that's been their identity. It's gotten them through so many tough times. So I see both sides to this debate that you could put you could put more of the fault of the game on the players because there were plenty of mistakes uh, for the players. Reynolds dropped a big pass on fourth downs. Uh, Williams dropped a touchdown that was put right in his hands from Jared Goff, a beautiful throw from him. Uh, Gibbs's fumble. All those are on the players and their mistakes. But you could also say that, you know, if Campbell just kicks those field goals, maybe they win the game in the end. Maybe they're in a better situation to win the game in the end. But again, I, I think it's it's about the you know, Lions. They their identity was about being aggressive. So I get that. If it was me, just the way I think about big games, you take points. And maybe that's because I come from old school football thought. As far as like in those situations, I get it during certain regular season games. But in that situation on the road against that 49ers team, you cannot afford to give them momentum in that situation. And Nick Bosa said after the game when they went four on fourth down and they missed. That's when we were like, we're back in this. And then right after that, Niners walked down the field, get a touchdown, fumble, touchdown, and the rest was history in the 17. What could have been a 17-point lead was now a tie game uh, right after that momentum surge. Again, against a really good and maybe even great team. I know I'd say they are great. The Niners are a great team. They, they, they're, they're an awesome team. Uh, you know, they, 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 ha- they are so built well up and down. This is going to be an exciting Super Bowl between them and the Chiefs um, with, the way that they're, with the way that they're built. Um, but again, so the Lions, they made it there. They deserve the credit for that. But I, again, if it was me, I wouldn't have done that if I was Dan, if I was Dan Campbell. Um, but at the same time, I get it. It makes, like, I'm not Dan Campbell and there are countless decisions that have to happen for a head coach to even get to the point to make those decisions. So what I'm not going to do is put this all the put the you know put all this game on this the call for Campbell and call him an idiot for betting on his team because that's at the end of the day what he did was he bet on his team he lost the bet he lost the gamble but that's part of what coaching is is betting and sometimes you hit and sometimes you don't hit and I think that there's a space that we need to get to as a point for media and fans when we're talking about coaches where sometimes 
there is too big of a fuss made about coaching decisions in a in a moment. And there's sometimes where there's something that's egregiously bad, like when the when the Cowboys tried to go for it on fourth down at the end of a game, and they lined up with like just the center and Dak Prescott, and like they just got sacked in a second. I'm like, okay, that's dumb. That's stupid. I I, I, get, I get that. Those are not a chances. Um, but as a coach, you have to bet on somebody. Sometimes you bet on your defense. Sometimes you bet on your offense. So I get Campbell betting on his offense. That's what was winning for the camp for, for the for the Lions a lot this year. Uh, and granted, he could have bet on his kicker and bet on his offense to win later. Still, he bet on it. And if I'm a Lions fan, I think I'm okay with this. Like I like I'm disappointed. I'm hurt, but I'm also saying, you know what? My boys went out on their shield, and they went out on their shield on their own terms, and they can learn from this and move forward. And that's a Lions team that can learn from it and move forward. So it's not a fireball offense or a badge of shame offense for Dan Campbell. I think again, I would have. I, I think that I, in my thinking of ways, I would have wanted that, that to be handled a little bit differently. But I think it's good and healthy that several Steelers fans out there and Steelers media people have acknowledged, like, hey. I can see it that way. It's not on, you know, Dan Campbell's aggressive. We're going to, you know, you live with that. This game was more about the players and their execution. And that's what a lot of people in this, in the Steelers Twitterverse and everything are saying. This is on the players, not the coach. So that's a very reasonable take. However, if you're one of the people that agree with that take and say it's, it's on the players, they needed to execute, the, you know, even the regardless of the play calls, you better be sure you're not one of the people that do that, that don't give the same grace to Mike Tomlin. Because there's plenty of times when Mike Tomlin makes an aggressive decision or just any decision and the entire game, the fault of the game, if the Steelers lose, is put on that decision and him and not on the players who make the big mistakes in the game. Prime example, game I covered. Steelers playing the Saints 2018. And it's a big game late in the season. The Saints are a red hot team. They are 13-2. They're unstoppable. The Steelers, Mike Tomlin called a fake punt play. And the Steelers got stopped just short of the line, all because Anthony Ciccolo missed the key block at the wrong spot, but they had the right alignment. If he just simply doesn't even have to crush his guy, just wall him off for a second. They've got a first down. They might win that game. But they missed the they missed the fake punt. They ended up losing that game. And that was a game that if they won, they would have been in the playoffs. Mike Tomlin got killed in this city for that decision. He was roasted by fans, fans, media, everybody in Pittsburgh. It was it was ugly. And I remember because that was Christmas Eve, so like the, you know after Christmas Day, everyone was just heated about it. He didn't get the grace of people saying, "Well, you know what? Maybe that was on Juju Smith-Schuster fumbling in the fourth quarter, and Stephen Ridley fumbling in the fourth quarter, and two very questionable uh, defensive pass interference calls that gave the the Saints uh, fourteen points in that in that game." He didn't get those 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 kind of graces uh, in, in when that happened. Just like the way Campbell's getting that graces from some people. Not everybody. Some people still, still think Campbell's an idiot. Again, I don't think he's an idiot. I just think that that's not the bet that I would have gone with. Um, but point being, the people there are some people out there, that I'm, and you know who you are, who you're willing to give Dan Campbell those graces, but not Mike Tomlin. And again, that's just one example from Mike Tomlin, where people don't give him his grace, graces for that. People wanted to blame the entire Bills loss on him in the playoffs. Meanwhile, his team turned turned the ball over two times. George Pickens fumbled a nine yard reception that was getting that could have gotten a, a, a drive started early in the game that handed the Bills the ball and got and let them go up fourteen nothing. Mason Rudolph threw an interception when he absolutely didn't need to in the red zone where the Steelers could have had a big touchdown to answer. And that's two turnovers that handed the Bills 14 points the other way. And again, the Steelers lost by 14 points. Tomlin deserves criticisms for mistake for different mistakes in those games, just like Dan Campbell deserves criticisms uh, for, for, for these moments in, in his losses. When coaches come up short, they have a hand in it, just like the players do. But there's no need to destroy them 
for, for everything in the game and ignore what players do. So I agree again that not everything in the Lions loss was on Dan Campbell. And I think there's sometimes where a gamble that uh that like a Campbell or Tomlin or whoever makes in a, in a game, sometimes the gambles, you know, doesn't doesn't pay off. And sometimes if it's an egregious gamble, it's a very bad gamble, you can have that debate and say, you know what, that was egregious. And you know that that was wrong, and that just should have never been done. And some may feel that about Dan Campbell. That's debatable. Again, I I think it would I would again I would side on the side that that was not the right move to make at the time. But I also acknowledge like that's not what that that's not the only thing that killed the Lions in this in this game. Point is, there are countless variables that head coaches have to bring into to factor here. And simplifying it down to one or two decisions as why a team lost a game isn't. The the decision making factor that front offices or 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 owners should be making and don't and don't make on you know the good front offices and owners don't make they don't pin everything off of one or two decisions as to why a coach should be hired. They look at the whole process. Put how do you put your teams in a winnable situation? Do you get your locker room to believe in themselves and to believe in you? Right now, I don't. I have no doubts that that team came off that field believing in Dan Campbell, which is why I think that they're still going to be a problem in the NFC is they'll get a chance to reload, do some more things, and keep building off of this year, and we'll see where Dan Campbell goes. Just like that team, though those players in that locker room still believes in Mike Tomlin. And I think that's the bottom line there is you want a head coach that puts your team in winnable situations. Dan Campbell said, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to win it with our guys, and, he, and we're going to give them a chance. You know what? They came up short, and there were sometimes maybe his gambles could have been in better spots, but that doesn't make him a bad head coach or one that should be fired or be the person who ultimately cost his team the game. And I think that if people understand that more, we can have healthier and more holistic conversations about head coaches in all sports because sometimes I think that coaches just get blamed for everything. It's just a natural knee-jerk reaction because they don't, you know, people don't buy Dan Campbell. Well, some people buy Dan Campbell shirts. People don't buy, but people don't buy their jerseys. They want, they want us, they want to protect the players that they that they love the most. And I get that. They're, they're your players, you love them, they get they give you a lot of joy when they make the big plays. But we can be a little bit better with how we handle and be reasonable about head coaching discussions and what is and isn't their fault and should be placed huge blame upon. So that's just my take about being reasonable, being measured with how I analyze the game and how I pick things apart. That's all for today. We're back tomorrow, back here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast, where we're resuming our grading process. We've been going over all the final grades for the different position groups uh, throughout the throughout the team this year. We'll break some more of those down. And also, don't forget to use the call in line, 412-223-6644, and you can call that number, leave your name, where you're from, and keep your question under a minute, and we'll get you on the show here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, post-gazette.com. Find me here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast every Monday through Friday on your favorite podcasting apps and YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed, subscribe to this channel to get all of those daily episodes. Back tomorrow with more on your Pittsburgh Steelers right here on the Locked On Steelers Podcast. 